thought it was gonna be. It's pretty good. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, it's uh, Prey is probably the best Predator movie I have seen since the actual original Predator with Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I saw. I think it's called yeah Predator Two is the one with Danny Glover, right? Like in the streets of L.A. It's like a gang warfare. I barely remember it, but I, I remember I, seeing it. Yeah, I, I barely remember seeing it. I just thought it was like whatever back in the day. Uh, Alien vs. Predator is all right. The second one is trash. I haven't seen, I haven't seen uh, the Predator, the one that came out in 2018 with like the super tall one. I haven't seen that one. Have you seen Predators, the one where like they get trans, where humans get transported to the Predator planet? No, that sounds like straight to TV type of thing. No, it came out in theaters like in 2012. Okay. It has a uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Morpheus, basically, and uh, Adrian Brody. You know Adrian Brody, right? No, from what? He is. Uh, he's in the King Kong movie, the first one, the old one. He's also the the main guy in the Pianist. He has like the oh, his nose kind of, kind of broken looking. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. He's in it. Uh, they really really try to push for him to be a star, huh? Yeah, Topher Grace, the guy who plays Venom from the '70s show, he's in it too. It's a bunch. It's in a Danny Trejo's in it. It's like an ensemble okay. cast of All like right. random people, where like they transport like the 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 who they consider to be the top of the food chain on Earth to the Predator planet for kind of like a like a sort of like a Hunger Games situation. So like um, Danny Trejo is like a like a he's like a hitman for like the Mexican mafia. Uh, Adrian Brody is supposed to be like a Green Beret. Uh, there's a dude who's like a Spetsnaz, like a Russian soldier. There's like, uh, there's like people from like different like background, diverse backgrounds who are supposed to be like warriors, basically. And they transport them to like the Predator planet for like the Predators to kind of have like a little like blood sport kind of thing going on. It's an okay movie, but anyways, Prey is really dope. Prey, um, it has the, it has, ver- it's beautifully shot. There's like a lot of like, of the big panoramic like scenes of nature. Where you have like the like the flat plains, and then you got like the forests and like waterfalls, and it's just very like earthy and nature nature esque. How's the CG? The CG I heard everything isn't everything with the with the predator is dope. Yeah, the CG is only bad when they there's like a part like mini spoilers. There's like a big bear. Yeah, yeah, and the bear just looks like really like not great. Like his mechanics aren't right. It, it looks like a bear from like a 2009 or 2007 movie like where it's like if you just don't get a good look at it you can't tell how bad it is so as long as we keep it in motion you know kind of thing like we can like kind of like you know not draw attention to like the fur kind of being like looking funny the way the bear moves is kind of funny like not like a real bear like his yeah the mechanics the most yeah if you ever seen a real bear whether at a zoo or like in nature like they don't act or move that way that the bear in the movie does. Where the bear in the movie is more like a rhinoceros, if anything. I think the way it functions, it like charges and everything. Like it's just, it's a little uncanny. But like everything involving the actual predator, which I think was for the most part like practical effects, like the suit, like the outfit and everything. Like it looked really good. The the, the combat. It the movie is brutal. It was way more gory than I expected. Like there's like some kind of there's like a lot of like Mortal Kombat style like executions. With, like, dismemberment and blood and everywhere. And there's a couple of nods to uh, God of War, Johnny, that you'll appreciate. Okay. Like, some of the Predator tech, like, it's it's adjusted because, like, he doesn't have the plasma cannon because that's kind of, like, overkill. 
But like he has like a shield that like pop like like oh right. kind of like you know how Kratos has that shield that like sh- like auto uh-huh. like it pops up like it like spreads out. He has a shield kind of like that. Uh, the main character Naru, uh, her she has a um, a axe that has like a rope at the end, so it comes back to her. It comes back to her. Like she, it has a it has kind of like a blade of chaos kind of thing, where it's an axe, but in the hilt it has a rope that wraps around to like where her hand is. So when she throws it, she can like just pull it back with like the rope. Huh. It, it's so more. It's also like, the ground, obviously. Well, it doesn't, like, like boomerang to her. No, it doesn't boomerang to her. But like, there's a little mo- montage like while she's making the like the rope and stuff. Like she strips the tree bark, wraps it around like to make a like, rope, and then she's like doing like you know how people would practice like the axe throws uh-huh. against wood. She does that, but then like she like yanks it hard enough for it to come back to her, and she catches it. How long is the damn rope? Uh probably like 10 12 feet maybe about 12 feet or so I, I would think that's about as far away as she is from like the trees when she's like practicing like they make sure to show you the beginning of the movie like she is capable so it's not just like a mary sue situation later on like she's like practicing and practicing on wildlife and stuff yeah so they kind of drill that into you but uh overall i enjoy the movie a lot uh, the acting is it's all right it's not bad it's never egregiously bad for the most part, I think it, they kind of nailed what I would what I would imagine someone to behave in those situations would be, uh, especially coming from like a warrior kind of culture. The characters, mm, there's not that many. There's like um, Naru, who's like the main character, and her brother uh, Tabe, and kind of secondary characters outside of that. There's, like, these French trappers who are kind of, like, sort of, like, a t- antagonist. But you kind of see them in the trailer where they're basically kind of just, like, attack. They just, like, skin animals and leave behind the bodies. They're just going for the pelts, which is, like, what for trappers were doing. Like, just getting beavers and buffalo and stuff. And so, like, the predator the predator kind of turns his attention towards them because he sees them as, like, the, like, oh, they're the ones who are, like, doing the trophy collecting here kind of thing. It's, oh, it's okay. interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like, it's kind of like a commentary about, like, what early, you know, uh, European expansion into America's kind of was. And it's just, it's a really fun movie. I, it's about an hour. I think it's, like, an hour and a half. But, like, it's manages to cram in a lot in that hour and a half. So... I recommend it if you're even interested or even curious about it. Just get Hulu for the month and just watch it. If you already have Hulu, great. If not, then just get it for the month and cancel it. It's uh, it's enjoyable, so I encourage anyone to. If, especially if you're a fan of the, of the Predator franchise, it's worth watching. So, But Johnny, we're not here to talk about Predators or Aliens. At least not the uh, extraterrestrial kind of Predators. We're here to talk about video games, which you do every... What? other week every single week every other week or now depends it depends on how the stars align for us uh this is the duo sense podcast uh as always i am your host andrew roscoe joined by the badger of the high desert the self-proclaimed lost cause because he's always down for the cause never down for the count the unnecessary one johnny hey what's up were you about to say something johnny like you're like holding your breath for a second there like like you're charging. Oh, you up. just said something confusing. You said we're not talking about we're talking about predators, but not the alien kind. So are we talking about the, was, the earthly kind? Yeah, right? I, was, so, I was I was being cute with it. I was being a little facetious with it. Uh, I was trying to be a smart ass, but well, because I mentioned predators and aliens earlier. That the right? Alien vs Predator. Uh huh. So that's why I, that was on my mind. I was thinking of that movie. Did you ever play the game Alien vs Predator? Uh, I don't think I have. 
I think there was one on, I want to say it was Xbox 360. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like one of those like isometric, like the like player versus player kind of games where one side was the, edit, the Predators and the other side was the Aliens. No, that sounds great though. That was like years ago. When did that come out? Because now I'm curious. I'm going to look it up real quick. I, that's not what I was originally going to lead with, but now... So you're saying it's an RTS type of game? No, kind of more like a force-on-force kind of game. Uh, let me see. What year was that? Oh, it, yeah. Aliens vs. Predator. 2010. It was 2010. Uh, developed by Sega. Uh, I'm assuming you played it. Was it good? I remember... Okay, it was on PS3, 360, and yeah, so yeah, you play as both sides, with each side has like different like pow- different moveset, set, different powers, and I guess it was like objective based, but also like just team death, team deathmatch style gameplay. Hmm. I remember this, yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember playing. It. I think I just saw a lot of YouTube videos of it, but it looked kind of cool. I think I always wanted to try, I just never did. But anyways, Johnny, we have a couple of stories. A, a big one at the end, but we're going to start off with the smaller stuff because we have basically two weeks worth of stuff to basically talk about and condense. Mm-hmm. So, You know what's something else I haven't seen lately? What? The damn... Uh... What? What? I'm sorry. Never mind. Skip it. No, what were you going to say? No, no, no. Now I'm curious. I, don't I forgot get... the damn name. Let's, okay, let's I'm gonna be left. It. I'm gonna be left wondering all all like the entire show. Like, what, what was Johnny gonna say? And now I'll never know. Anyways, we're gonna move on then, because I'll give you time. If you remember, let me know. If you don't, like, it's it's fine. Uh, this first article comes from PlayStation Lifestyle, written by Zarmena Khan. That's a cool name. It says some devs reportedly moved their games away from the Ragnarok launch window. Uh, that's probably the smart move. It says November's God of War Ragnarok launch has reportedly caused some developers to move their games out of the behemoth's way. That's according to Kind of Funny's Tim Geddes, who said in a recent episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily that he's had business calls where some people have admitted to moving out of God of War Ragnarok's way and giving it space to avoid their games getting eclipsed by Santa Monica Studios' highly anticipated game. Why devs are scared of God of War Ragnarok? I'm sorry, why devs are scared of God of War Ragnarok launch? That sounds like a typo. There's a there's an S missing in there somewhere. Uh, it says God of War Ragnarok might be so big the games are moving out of their way. And then, oh, well, they're just citing it. They're just citing the podcast. God of War Ragnarok is arguably the biggest first party launch of the year. Sony did release Horizon Forbidden West back in February, but being part of a long running and beloved franchise, Ragnarok is understandably a bigger deal. It's unclear which games Gettys was referring to in the clip above, but we're guessing that one of them is Square Enix's Forspoken. Although not a first-party game, Call of Duty is unlikely to be phased by Kratos and Atreus traveling around the Nine Realms, but it does look like WB Games' Hogwarts Legacy has settled for an early December release. I think we're getting to this interesting point of games being scared of... and Well, now we know. Just to interrupt this real quick. Uh, I think Hogwarts Legacy has now been delayed to next year anyway, so that got f- pushed back even further than December. Uh, back to the article, it says, quote, I think we're getting to this interesting point of games being scared of God of War Ragnarok, Getty said. I've had business calls in the back end with people that have said things to me that I was shocked by. Just like, we're pulling out of this, and we're backing off of this, and we're just giving God of War its space. End quote. God of War Ragnarok will release on November 9th. And it says, in other news, looks like Sony is toying with PSN account integration for PC gaming. Well, we found out that they basically did that. 
And, well, the next part, we'll get to that next story. But, Johnny, I think that makes sense, right? I think if you're, if you're aiming for the holiday window, uh, which most developers aim for because that's, like, where they make the, the most amount of money. Like, you, if your game is sim- somewhat similar in the vein of an exploration or action or any open-world-style game, it makes sense to kind of hold off when God of War is the massive juggernaut that most gamers are probably waiting for. Even if you are, like, not just on, like, the PlayStation ecosystem, right? Because, you know, you might be on Xbox also or Switch or PC, but it makes sense to kind of just... Because you're probably not... Even if you're not being... Even if you're not on the same platform as God of War, you're going to be out of the conversation like the overall cultural conversation if you come out the same time as God of War because you're just going to get ignored, basically. So what are, what are your thoughts about this, Johnny, if any? I wonder why they are focusing on God of War. Although it's like obviously a massive game. Mm-hmm. Why are they, Why is there so much chatter about this particular game if it's always kind of the default? Like we don't want to drop a racing game next to a racing game in the month of January, right? It's like most people would assume that companies think about this type of thing. Maybe... They are so fo- um, focused on this one because of what happened between Horizon Zero Dawn and Elden Ring, you know? Right, yes. That's a great example. of uh, where a- Every time a Horizon game has come out, it's immediately overshadowed by the whatever game came out that same time. Like uh, The original Horizon being overshadowed by Breath of the Wild, basically. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, completely different platforms, right? Uh, Legend Zelda is a Nintendo exclusive, Horizon a PlayStation exclusive. But yeah. again, the co- the conversation, the the hubbub, the zeitgeist was focused on Breath of the Wild and less so on Horizon. And then this year, more people were like all about Elden Ring. That even though I think Horizon Forbidden West came a week out before Elden Ring, mm-hmm. and quickly the con- people kind of forgot about Horizon. The conversation quickly became about Elden Ring. Uh, so yeah, I think I think. You're right. Although in this case, in this case, it would be PlayStation is like the would be the bigger dog, I guess you'd say, compared to the whatever else would be coming around, like Hogwarts compared to God of War. Like I think clearly God of War is probably yeah. gonna be more of the conversation. I mean, Hogwarts probably would be part of the conversation just because of the controversy with like J.K. Rowling, but that wouldn't be conversation about the game itself. That would just be about the franchise, right? And uh, what was the other one? Was it Gotham Knights? No. What was the other game they mentioned? Did you remember? Let me look it up again. Uh, there was another title mentioned. Oh, Forspoken? Forspoken, thank you. Scoring his but, but that already needed some extra polish, so I could understand why they pushed that until next year, right? Yeah. you know, Some of this is reading like, yeah, like they might be afraid of it, and then some of it just sounds like, like, can we still use COVID as an excuse? Like, no, no? Okay. All right, we're just afraid then. We're just afraid of this other game kind of thing, like... Because we know a lot of the, like, the studios have been just, like, falling behind because of the nature of the pandemic. And, like, it's kind of, like, nearing its end. And it's, like, how many times can you keep saying the same thing, right? Like, and so it's, like, I'm not saying they're lying. I'm saying it's just very convenient and very uh, beneficial that, like, oh, yeah, like, God of War is coming out. Like, we want, you know, give God of War space. So, like, when it's our time to come out, like, we can, like, dominate the conversation. Yeah, actually, drop before spoken. Cause is it January where it's dropping? I believe so. No, February. The thing they said. I think they pushed it back to February. Okay, that still makes sense. Cause if I if they dropped it in January, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because everybody's burnt through their fucking cash during the holiday purchases, right? 
Yeah. So February makes a little more sense. But I don't know. I just, I just know God of War is a massive fucking game, but it's weird that people are talking about getting the fuck out the way relative to every other fucking launch in the past, you know? I think, yeah, I think with other games, it's kind of just like, like inevitable, like too late, kind of like, too, oh, well, like, like we've never really heard this chatter, this much chatter around a game about getting out of the way. Not even for for Call of Duty. I was about I was about to get there. I think Call of Duty is the exception because Call of Duty comes out every year, so it's like you kind of like that. And also, people who play Call of Duty are a very specific type of gamer. Where like, if you're comparing an RPG coming out with Call of Duty, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense because those cater to two completely different audiences. Whereas I think, like I said, open world style traversal like action games like Forspoken, like Hogwarts Legacy. That makes sense that they would kind of clash a little bit with Ragnarok because you're playing very samey kind of magic, magic revolving. I mean, God yeah. of War has magic. Forspoken, like magic is a huge part of it. Hogwarts, like, like I, I get avoiding like too samey, you know, at the same time. Yes, but the the fan base is like pretty fucking different. Like I'm not, I have no intent of playing Hogwarts. Hogwarts, and those people probably don't care about. God of War. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, we're doing a lot of like uh, assumptions here about like what exactly who's the audience, right? I'm saying that thematically they share a lot of elements, and that could be kind of why. But then, like you're saying, like this in the past, we've seen like remember when EA released uh, uh, Battlefield Five and um, was it Battlefield Five or Battlefield One, and in the same year they in the same month they released another shooter, uh, Titanfall Two. Which were two first-person shooters in the same month, and people were like, "That's a bad idea." And then they ended up being right because Titanfall Two like didn't even do that well, like like sales-wise. So I, I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation. Like, do you like you know when God of War is coming out? Like, that's gonna be the hubbub. Like, people are gonna be talking about that. Like, do you want to be just trampled and forgotten, or do you want to just hold off a little bit and then like let it breathe and you know? You get your attention. And I know what you're saying. Like, why Call of Duty is a bigger name. Like, why don't pe- aren't people afraid of Call of Duty? And that's because Call of Duty already dominates its respective genre, which is first-person shooters. Yeah, but do people move out of the way at the same month where that game drops? No, because I think... Or is it because they're putting out games that are vastly Because imagine they had to do that every single year for an annual franchise like Call of Duty. Like, it would just be, like, hectic. Whereas God of War is, like, twice a generation kind of game. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very, like, this is a specific game that has been highly, like, publicized. Not highly publicized. It's, like, a lot of people are talking about it because they want to play this. They love the first one. Well, you know, the last one that came out, basically. I mean, the all the stuff about how Satamaga had been, like, pushing off on the release date. And then the threats against, like, the people on the team about releasing the release date. Like, like God of War, this is, like, a perfect storm kind of situation where God of War Ragnarok is gaining so much attention that it's like almost unheard of compared to any other game. So it makes sense that you want to avoid... Well, I think... Uh, you don't want to be caught in that like backdraft. I think uh, The Last of Us 2 had more hype than this. Did it? Yeah, did anybody get out the way for that one? No, because that came out like in a time, like in a July or like something when like not that many games were coming out. Wasn't it out. February? No, God, Last, of, Last of Us Part 2? Yeah. Came out like in July or June. I remember, John. Oh, you're right, you're right. I remember where I was because right. I moved the month after that is when I moved in uh, back with my mom for a little bit because mm-hmm. that was it was a couple of months after Final Fantasy VII remake. 
I remember that year. Trust me, I remember that year. It was, it was the first year of the pandemic and the idea of viruses on my mind and all that was it was a big part of that. So no, yeah, that was a June or July release when it was kind of slow anyway, so that was perfect. But um I get it. I get not wanting to be caught. They kind of do the same thing too, where like Marvel movies come out, especially in the summer, and like people are like, oh, like studios are kind of hesitant. Like if you if you release anything within the squall or like that like blast zone of Marvel, like you're gonna you're gonna not do so well financially. So, but then again, there's only so many like these tentpole titles where like how can you keep avoiding like these situations, right? Like. If you keep pushing off and off for like the perfect situation, like you're never gonna have that perfect situation. So, I think you kind of just have to bite the bullet at a certain point. Yes? No? I agree. Maybe? Oh, okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> All right, John. Let's move on to something a little more, uh, a little more controversial here. Uh, this comes from VGC Video Games Chronicle. Uh, where's the name? Chris Scolian. Chris Scolian. Xbox has accused Sony of paying developers Game Pass block fees. It says, as part of a document sent to Brazil's Administration Council for Economic Defense, or CADE, to justify its proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, the Xbox firm claimed that Sony actively attempts to, quote, inhibit growth, end quote, of Game Pass by trying to prevent content appearing on it. The comments are part of Microsoft's response to Sony's claims to the Brazilian body, which makes much of its responses public that Xbox acquiring Call of Duty would be anti-competitive. Quote, considering the exclusivity strategies have been at the core of Sony's strategy to strengthen its presence in the games industry and that Sony is a leader in the distribution of digital games, Sony's concern with possible exclusivity of Activision's content is incoherent, to say the least. End quote. Microsoft claims in the documents published by Cade. It says... Quote, it only reveals, once again, a fear about an innovative business model that offers high-quality content at low cost to gamers, <laughs> threatening a leadership that has been forged from a device-centric and exclusivity-focused strategy over the years. That's a good way. That's a good clapback. That's corny. It then claims, quote, indeed, Microsoft's ability to continue expanding Game Pass has been obstructed by Sony's desire to inhibit such growth. Sony pays for blocking rights to prevent developers from adding content to game pass and other competing subscription services end quote these kinds of platform deals have been common in the games industry and reference was even made to playstation blocking third-party games appearing on game pass in documents revealed as part of last year's epic versus apple lawsuit the remainder of its response and two further claims under the same section are redacted in the document presumably for confidentiality purposes. Elsewhere in the document, Microsoft claimed that Sony, quote, does not want attractive subscription services to threaten its dominance in the digital distribution market for console games, end quote. Arguing, quote, in other words, Sony rails against the introduction of new monetization models capable of challenging its business model, end quote. Last month, Sony was one of a number of third-party companies, including Bandai Namco and Ubisoft, that submitted their opinions to Cade on the pending Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Sony claimed that the acquisition could influence users to switch to Xbox because it is an essential game, a blockbuster 
a AAA game that has no rival. Of course, talking about Call of Duty. Uh, Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, confirmed in January that it was his intention to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation platform should Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard be completed. However, it was later claimed that Activision Blizzard is contractually committed to releasing only the next three Call of Duty games for PlayStation consoles, including this year's Modern Warfare 2, which is uh, one of my most anticipated games. Johnny, you started laughing. Why were you laughing? What, what, what part of that statement made you laugh? So you're done with the article? Yeah, I stopped reading. I don't know, dude. I think it's just fucking silly. They're both complaining about it. They're both whining about each other, right? PlayStation is whining about COD and then Xbox about this shit. But, I mean, is it fucking illegal? Is it... So, okay, so so the premise of this argument... Okay, so from what I have read and what I've understood from other like outlets talking about this is that whenever a game studio has to, t- like, whenever somebody, like, pr- a big player purchases another big player in the same space, like, mm-hmm. now does it have to be approved, like, here in the States and in Japan, and, like, it has to be approved, basically, wherever those business those businesses conduct business. Mm-hmm. So, like, in Brazil, apparently in Brazil, Brazil does this thing where whenever a big company acquires another company... They ask for the major, propo- like the major players in that industry, to write opinions about it, before, like in order to, like you know, yay, this is good for our industry, or no, this is not good for our industry. That's cool. So, and Brazil makes these documents public, except for I guess the parts that get redacted, but like the overall documents are public. So, they had like you know, Band Namco, Bandai chime in, Ubisoft chimed in, Microsoft, chimed in. and so that's why we got. Remember we were talking about like. A couple weeks ago, we were like, "Why? Why would PlayStation like hype up Call of Duty?" Mm-hmm. They were basically giving their opinion of why like the acquisition was like not a good, you know, a good thing for like not the favorable, not exactly. just to Sony but like the whole it, industry. Exactly, which like, oh, like this is like too, like they're so huge, and then this other thing is so huge, like both of those things combined, and that's when, and then that's why. Remember we had that weird article where Xbox was downplaying its acquisition of like, eh, like they're not doing anything special. It's like, why would you say that? Well, now we have the context of why they say that kind of stuff because. They're each trying to like basically win over a position in the mindshare of like Brazil's uh, uh, whatever department is in charge of like acquisitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're like, like no, like they're gonna have this massive thing. Like it's a bad idea. Like nah, they're exaggerating. What we have isn't that special. Like yeah. trust us. And so that's why this came out and the idea. So apparently, it's this isn't illegal. It's just really kind of like in bad taste. The idea of blocking and paying these things. Like they mentioned, like that. PlayStation has done this before because it came out in last year's Epic. Remember the whole thing with Epic and Apple about the market, about like the fees for the marketplace for like Fortnite and stuff. That was a little different. That was different, but apparently, like this was one of those things that also came out last year. Like in those, remember those emails we were getting from everybody from Sony and Xbox, like everybody like, like no, no, don't publish that. Like that's like you know protect. That's like uh, privileged information or whatever. And like all the all, like they had like a field day with everybody like just talking about like what was happening on with that deal, right? So, from what I understand, this is not illegal, like blocking, like paying those things or whatever. It's there's there's nothing that they like like it violates, other than just being just super super shady and just kind of like in poor taste. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like some type of analogy so I could better understand it because to me this it's is petty. Just, it's very petty. It's petty, but this is sort of the equivalent of uh, exclusivity exclusive games yeah it's but like you're, in the same category it's just a little bit it's shady because you're not gaining anything you're just depriving of somebody but else. you are like, gaining like on, on you're your just not losing sense, 
Yes, in a business sense, you're not losing competition to them. Yeah. Because if you see that game on Game Pass, your people might consider like, well, it's over there. I'll, I'll go pick it up there. You know. Yeah. But from a business sense, it makes perfect sense to me. I get it's it. It's a great. I get what you're it's saying. A decent strategy. I just think that money could have been used to like. Well, if you don't want it on the competitors, then why don't you just add it to your service then? Because we have now PlayStation has its own like PlayStation Premium. Mm-hmm. Like that money, instead of being like, "Hey, just don't go over there," like you're kind of just screwing the, but the consumers, it- not really benefiting yourself. You benefit yourself in the way that you piss off everybody else. But it's the same thing as exclusivity because it, it you're is like screwing, and it isn't. screwing the Xbox players because they don't get the game on their platform. But somebody is getting it. Wait, but if they block it from Xbox, that they're still gonna get that game on PlayStation, not, right? Yeah, but it's or not. On par- but it's not part of the service. It's not part of the the program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's okay. Okay. Let me see. If I can explain this. So, at least with with it going on Game Pass, at least the people who have Game Pass benefit from it. Uh huh. Or if Sony had just paid for the money for the rights for it to be on their service, PlayStation Premium, then somebody would benefit, the, the consumer base. But the game is made. If the yeah. game is blocked from Xbox, so where is that game going to go? Nothing. It just becomes a regular retail game. Okay. But I'm saying, like, like that's just a lose... It's a... Okay, there's the Xbox... There's Xbox, there's people... There's the consumers, and then there's PlayStation. This could have been at least a lose-win-win... Instead of just being a lose-lose win. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, it's going to go just to regular retail. Yeah. So consumers can pick it up there. To buy it And the ones that benefit are the developers. They right. They get paid for this. Well, they get paid no matter what happens. If yeah. they if they do the pro, the deal with Game Pass, then they get upfront money. Mm-hmm. If they don't do the deal and they get the money from PlayStation, they still get money. If they don't do either, they still get money from the sales. But I'm saying the consumers... If you at least allow it to be on Game Pass and people who have Game Pass can benefit it. You paying the developers to not go on Game Pass but not add it to your own service either is just like it's just bad for consumers in general. So I'll, I'll flip it cuz I'm a fanboy of PlayStation, right? Of course. So if if Xbox would have blocked it from Sony getting it, I would have been irritated. I would have been like you motherfuckers, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like now we got to go purchase this thing when we could have had it on our, our service. Exactly. But at the same time, I can acknowledge like you fuckers are playing a good game. Yeah, but at that point, like, why not just why not just add it to your if, like I have to imagine the amount that they paid to not accept the deal probably would have been the same amount they could have paid to have it added to PlayStation Premium services. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, no. I don't think either of us know those numbers. So I, I don't either, say. but I have to imagine if it's enough to dissuade them that we're like it's more than what the Game Pass would have offered, uh-huh. then it has to be substantial. Yes, but it's still like survival. It's like right. long term. We can't have we can't be bleeding all these players to go to Xbox. Right. I'm just saying so, I feel like a better use of that money would have been to just make PlayStation Premium more attractive than just For the consumer. Yeah, rather than just denying another customer base like something yeah but it's not beneficial to playstation and ultimately me myself in the long run i want what's best for playstation because i like the games that they make i don't want fucking playstation to feel like they're gonna fail i don't think you know that's a... i don't think so but yeah I'm just like <laughs> it's a little dramatic i think <laughs> no i know i know of course i'm being dramatic but just to because i'm trying to figure out like is this really all that immoral is it like what's the like it's, it's not illegal it's just kind of like a dirtbag move. But at the same time, like, I get it. I understand why you would do that. 
And then, and then Xbox is complaining about like they don't want to be challenged in their like, we'll just call it legacy business model of just selling the games outright. Yeah, that Sony doesn't want the. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sony's desire to inhibit such growth. Sony pays for blocking to prevent developers from adding content to Game Pass. Another, uh, looking for the thing. Uh, Sony does not want attractive subscription services to threaten its dominance in the digital distribution market for console games. So that means like selling through PSN network and stuff. PSN. Yeah, but that's like a no shit. Like, I mean, Xbox doesn't want their life service to be threatened as well, right? I just like the way they word it. It's like it only reveals once again. Like I picture like a, like a very like charismatic like lawyer before a judge kind of thing. Like. It only reveals, once again, a fear about an innovative business model that offers high-quality content at low cost to gamers. Uh, I disagree right there. Threatening a leadership that has been forged from a device-centric and exclusivity-focused strategy over the years. I just like how it's like, man, they're afraid of a really good thing that we're offering. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I see what they're saying. Except I kind of disagree with the business model because I think Game Pass is going to dilute the quality of games, ultimately. So... You know what? I, I, I kind of see that because, like, um, I'll get into this later, but, like, a game came out that I'm playing called Cult of the Lamb, mm-hmm. and I thought for sure it was on Game Pass. I'm like, oh, I was going to pick it up on Game Pass. Uh-huh. And then when I saw that it wasn't on Game Pass, I'm like, oh, man, like, do I even want to still play this now? See, because that's that's also kind of a lie because game, Xbox will release games that aren't on the fucking Game Pass. They have, like, a big-ass fucking production, and it's like, hey, we could milk this shit sell it at regular retail price and then maybe in the future we'll just throw it into game pass so they're kind of lying as well no i think all xbox first party games do come out on game pass do they immediately yeah they haven't really done that like what you're saying except for things from like back catalog like i'm, I'm kind of thinking about what big ass games they actually uh, like tell me uh, halo game pass first Forza. Day. game pass first day what else I, well, they haven't done a Gears of War yet in the To that caliber. Years. Is um, Starfield going to be first yes. day? Yeah. All right. Cause when is that coming out? That's in January. Or February. I forget which. All right. So. Everything they do that's first party. Is... So we got three games in three years. Two years. Okay. Two years. PlayStation I mean, has how many exclusives? We got. Uh, you can name them yourself. We got Horizon. We got God of War. We've got uh, Stray. Stray's not first person. Nah, was it? No. It's uh, Annapurna. They're not owned by Sony. Okay. But it was their budget. No? I think they helped with the distribution, maybe. Forspoken. I know that's... It's a, a timed exclusive. It's a time, I think it's a timed exclusive. Forspoken. I know that's not a third party, but it's that PlayStation funded. Forspoken is third party, isn't it? Yeah, it's third party. Oh, okay. They but it's that. a PlayStation funded game. Right. Yeah. And then we got... Uh, not Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank. Like, I'm, I'm dropping fucking games that are, like, dropping, what, every six months or so? Returnal. Returnal. There it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You make a good point, Johnny. You make a good point. But what was it? Okay, but... And that's not all of them. Right. Go go ahead. I was going to say, but the, the back to the topic at hand, it's basically that Sony's... The allegation is that Sony is paying these developers to not put stuff on Game Pass when they could have. I'm thinking they could have just used that money to just reinvest it back internally rather than just. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it costs like a hundred thousand mil to develop a fucking game. If they're gonna drop just five mil to not give it to their competitors, how does that not make sense? 
I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm assuming it's got to be pretty fucking small for you. No, to you're decide. right. You're right. I just imagine I don't. Th- I don't think it would be that much more expensive to just use that money to also just acquire a game like to your service to PlayStation Plus service or whatever. And maybe it's not even like indefinitely. It's just like, hey, just don't keep it on the platform for like the next six months or so. Maybe you're right. That could be. That's. I have no idea what it looks like, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just a time thing. Maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm kind of coming around. I think I, I think you're making some good points here, actually. You may have swayed me, John. You may have swayed me. Maybe. You did the, the whole Paragon Renegade thing with me, and I'm like, okay, like I like, I kind of believe in you now. Okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, next story before we get to the major one. It says, uh, Tokyo Game Show VR 2022 to feature Kojima production Square Enix and more. This comes from Eurogamer written by Victoria Kennedy. Let's see, Miss Kennedy says, Square Enix and Kojima Productions will be taking part in the Tokyo Game Show's upcoming VR event. Bandai Namco, Capcom, and Konami, to name but a few, will also be exhibiting at the event, which takes place between the 15th and 18th of September. The site for the show itself is shrouded in mystery for now, with the organizers simply teasing the stage for this event is a, quote, dungeon, end quote, and the following text. Makurai Messi is the venue for TGS VR in 2022, but what is there on opening day is an empty hall and a big hole in the floor. Why is there nothing in the hall? What is at the bottom of the deep hole? The Tokyo Game Show team then promises us that we will be able to, quote, unearth the future, end quote, further down the line. For those wanting to partake in this VR show, the organizers state that applications can be downloaded through the aforementioned website during the events itself. As well as being part of this VR event, Calcom has also announced it will have two live stream presentations as part of Tokyo Game Show this year. One will be about all the latest Capcom news in our pre-recorded stream and take place on the 15th of September. The other, which will be held the following day on the 16th of September, will be focused solely on Street Fighter VI. Meanwhile, the Tokyo Game Show will be back as a physical event for both business and general visitors this year. This follows on from 2020, where the show was held as a fully virtual event in 2021, where it was a hybrid mix of virtual and business-only physical showcases. All right. Johnny, mm-hmm. does any of this mean anything special for you? I mean, we're going to get more content for Resident Evil, probably see some gameplay. Uh, Are you talking about Capcom specifically? Yeah, it's, it's not a whole lot I'm looking for from, from Capcom. They're probably going to show us more of, uh, what's that one game that kind of looks, uh, shoot, I can't, I always forget the name. The one with like the space and the girl and the... Oh, Pragmata. Pragmata, thank you. I, I don't was... know if that's a big enough showcase to fully reveal Pragmata. I think so, because it was supposed to come out. Remember, originally it was slated for this year and it got delayed? They have to have something to show by now. I don't know. They said they're delaying it until next year. Yeah, so. so they should have something to kind of whet our appetite in the meantime to hold our interest. It's a, a, few, a few too many months, like too soon. Maybe like four months too soon. Probably get a sneak peek at, a letter sneak peek at Resident Evil 4, the remake. Yeah. I can't believe that's supposed to come out like in February or early next year. That was quick. No, I'm not surprised because when they uh, revealed the uh, RE2, I know it came it, out like the turnaround was fucking for fast. RE3. You yeah, mean, yeah. It just it just feels like not that much time has passed. I guess in my head. Yeah, because RE8 was 
a year ago. And now, yeah, you're right. You're right. It just feels like very quick. In my, for some reason, the passage of time just seems fast for me. But The passage of time. Yeah. You don't know where that's from, but continue. There's, that's a very common phrase. I don't know where. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I have no idea where it originally comes from, but I've heard that phrase like in a lot of books and movies and stuff. Um, Konami, no, was it Ko- oh, Kojima Productions? What, what what do you think Kojima has up his sleeve, Johnny? Are we gonna get that? Uh, supposedly, you think we're gonna get a peek at the at the sequel to Death Stranding or? I hope so. Just Are we gonna peek at the cloud gaming thing he's doing with Xbox? Maybe. No, that's too soon for that. Oh. Remember, they were just, uh, what was the saying? Uh, they signed the contract. Oh, it was just, like, of intent. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, like, means nothing. Nowhere really. close. Nowhere yeah. close, pretty much. That's a good point. That's cool that's being in VR. I don't remember this being in I guess this was in VR last year. I just don't remember. I probably just wasn't paying attention. They say you'll be able to, like, register for it. I wonder if, like, I can do that. I have my PSVR. Oh, you can view it through VR. That's cool. I have my PSVR. I wonder if that will work in my case. I mean, but what does that mean? It's just you can use the VR and look at the showcase in the event? Or is there something that you're going to stream that you can consume through your VR? I I think it would just be available through VR in the sense, like, 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 you won't be able to just walk to virtual booths. Well, I think you'll just get like more satisfaction or like, like benefit from like the special effects of VR. I mean, they could have a guy with a whole fucking apparatus and he's just walking around and you just start like the, streaming like the top of his fucking head and you could just look around, right? It could oh, be that. Oh, like in concerts when they had like the robot up up front. I haven't seen those, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, during the pandemic, they would have concerts and like you could view the concert in VR, like through like there's like a robot up front in the front of the, like the front row. I don't know that we're doing that. And like you can like see like the whole 360 view kind of thing. So it's either that or they tell you like, all right, we're about to debut this trailer, and then you can see that shit in VR, like the VR game. You can see it like in your 3D ish, yeah, yeah, not just on fucking YouTube or whatever. Right, right. Either of those scenarios does would be it, equally cool. Does it have that capability? I think it does. I think it could. Either of those scenarios would be ideal. I think those are sound, those sound cool. Yeah. So Kojima. It's probably going to be something related to Death Stranding. So it's a little bit too soon as well, though. But I hope it's just that. Uh, that would be cool. I agree. Yeah. I don't think he's doing a third fucking game. All right. Anyways, what do you, what do you want from uh, Square Enix? Uh, it's probably just more Final Fantasy 16. But it's um, a VR. It's got to be VR related. Most oh, likely. I think the, it's still... That's, I don't know. I imagine they're going to show more of like the Final Fantasy 7 remake stuff, the Rebirth, but also like the the phone thing they're doing, like the phone games, which are like adaptations of past Final Fantasy 7 like media. Mm-hmm. So like Advent Children, Crisis Core, uh, shoot, what was the other one? Uh, before Crisis, Dirge of Cerberus, like that kind of stuff. They might just do just show more of that, probably, which is ideally what I would want. It's just basically just that. And Sega is probably going to do something lame. Like, now you can shop in VR. Knowing Sega, they'll probably do like a Hatsune Miku performance concert yeah. like, in VR. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the most likely, like, like, hey, we're part of this too. And like, do you know, a little concert and give you like the little glow sticks to wave. <laughs> wave yes, your, wave yeah. your PlayStation Move once, like glow sticks kind of thing. That would be funny. Uh, or maybe something Sonic related. They probably might talk more about Sonic then. I don't know. Sonic stuff. Are maybe. you talking about the recent game? Yeah. Most likely. You think that has VR? I mean, the budget doesn't look that great to me. No. Sonic. Uh, 
Excuse me, sorry. Sonic, that's not a kind of game you could play in VR because that would just look so disorienting. Going super fast in VR, that doesn't sound like a fun time. That just sounds like motion sickness waiting not, to happen. Not in open world. Definitely not. That just sounds like motion sickness waiting to happen. I don't know. I don't know what Sega would show. Uh, maybe if they VR. Oh, maybe they'll show more of Yakuza, like whatever sequel it is for like a, like a dragon. That, that, that makes the most sense for me. I would love that. I think uh, if they did something Sonic related and it was VR, they could do something with Tails. Just his own spinoff game. Tails? Yeah. That would be funny. Wait, you were saying? No, I was just saying they probably show more Yakuza stuff because they have uh, um, they there was like a sneak peek of what, the sequel to Like a Dragon that came out. Uh, not a sneak, that didn't come out, but like they showed like a couple of screenshots of the Like a Dragon sequel. Uh, for those of you guys who remember, Like a Dragon was like my favorite, one of my favorite games of 2020. So I look forward to whatever they do with the sequel. Probably gonna show more about it uh, during TGS. Mm-hmm. So. Johnny, let's move on to our final story. It's the final one, but oh, it's a biggie. Late last night, I was just browsing Twitter, as I usually do before I go to bed. And what do I see? I see the infamous uh, Wario64, which is like a, a Twitter account that, re- that just reports like the gaming events that happen like, as they happen. It's like Embracer Group like acquired a metric ton of content, uh, IP, basically, overnight. Have you seen? All- I've only seen three of them. You've seen more? I seen three major ones and then like four or five like ones that I don't really know about, like lesser stuff. Okay. So let's just dive in. Uh, I went straight to the Embracer Group's uh, PR to their press release, straight to their website. Uh, just cut, you know, just cut the fluff, get the most pure uh, message possible. So it's dated August eighteenth, which uh, at about six p.m., which would have been because they're based in I think Sweden. I think it's Sweden. It's one of the Nordic countries. Right, because that's why I remember they were THQ Nordic, right? That's what like, their name was. Uh, so this one is like midnight, a little bit before midnight here, the West Coast Pacific Standard Time. Anyways, they put out this. It says Embracer Group enters into agreement to acquire IP rights to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit literary works by J.R.R. Tolkien. It says Embracer Group, through its wholly owned subsidiary Free Mode, has entered into an agreement to acquire Middle Earth Enterprises. A division of the Saul Zaints Company, which owns a vast intellectual property catalog and worldwide rights to motion pictures, video games, board games, merchandising, theme parks, and stage productions relating to the iconic fantasy literary works The Lord of the Rings Trilogy and The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, as well as matching rights in other Middle-Earth-related literary works authorized by the Tolkien Estate and HarperCollins, which have yet to be explored. So basically... Embracer Group has acquired the rights to Lord of the Rings in everything except for the actual like books. Mm-hmm. So they have the rights to do whatever they want in terms of like movies, TV shows, video games, board games, merchandise, theme parks, any other interpretation or con- or content as we want to call it of Lord of the Rings outside of the actual books, they have control over basically now. Which I'm curious how it's going to work because, as you're probably aware, there's a Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings prequel coming out on uh, Amazon? I think it's Amazon, right? Right? Amazon Prime. So, like, they basically now own that. I'm guessing, unless it's written into the contract differently, maybe it's everything after that or something. I'm not sure. But basically, they have the power and the rights 
to do whatever they want Lord of the Rings related as long as they basically don't actually they don't they can't they can't own the publishing of like the books or like the revenue that comes from just the books themselves. So it's basically they Tolkien's estate that his family whoever runs it has basically sold the licensing of the Lord of the Rings like as a as merchandise essentially. Do you, you follow? Mm-hmm. So they can now make whatever Lord of the Rings games they want. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read. Here's like where the kind of the rationale of where um, it says the Saul Sainz Company, based in Berkeley, California, USA, was founded in 1976. It was originally set up as a film production company, which produced award-winning films such as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The Saul Sainz Company acquired its rights from the heirs and estate of J.R.R. Tolkien and Harper Collins Publishers, who maintained the print publication rights to J.R.R. Tolkien's literary works. So Harper Collins and the Tolkien estate basically are the ones who own the books in perpetuity. The Saul Zanes Company first acquired the rights to Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit in 1976 in an arrangement with United Artists to produce an animated version of Lord of the Rings to be directed by Ralph Bakshi. I'll fast forward here. I'm trying to get to the point why they acquired. Oh, here we go. Other opportunities include exploring additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn, yeah, Gollum, Galadriel, Galadriel, I can never pronounce her name, Eowyn, and other characters from the literary works of J.R. Tolkien, and continue to provide new opportunities for fans to explore this fictive world through merchandising and other experiences. The acquisition of the rights is in line with Embracer's IP-driven transmedia strategy. The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are among the world's largest, most enduring, iconic entertainment franchises, and birth the fantasy genre. That is true. Fantasy would not be what it is without uh, Lord of the Rings. Okay, so it sounds like the idea was, and like I said, purchase prices. The parties have agreed not to disclose specific terms of the transaction due to commercial reasons. So it sounds like they acquired Lord of the Rings because of, well, it's Lord of the Rings, but also they want. It sounds like they want to milk it, right? They said they. It says exploring additional movies based on iconic characters, and then they listed off the characters. So like, I guess they're announcing their intention is to make more Lord of the Rings movies based off individual characters. Okay. Kind of like Sony's doing with Morbius and Venom and like it's like we can't use Spider-Man for this thing, but we'll use the secondary characters for their own movies kind of thing. It says for their transmedia strategy. I have no idea what that really means. I know it sounds like obviously it's like so that movies, games, all that stuff is like interconnected. But I don't know like what the strategy is like if they're like trying to build up to something or if it's just kind of like we just want to milk this. Another universe type of... Another meta or multi... I hope not. But that's their reason. Okay, so that's their reason for acquiring uh, the IP rights for Lord of the Rings. And then they acquired something else. Uh, Singtrix. We're going to talk about that one real quick. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Singtrix. Uh, it says Embracer Group through its whole... Its wholly owned subsidiary free mode has entered into an agreement to acquire Singtrix LLC from its founders. And then we're going to uh, Singtrix team is one of the. So here goes. Singtrix, based in the Los Angeles area, is an award winning creator of industry leading vocal processing effects technology for karaoke, gaming, and entertainment. Through the, fret, through the transaction, free mode gains a world class group of entrepreneurs and creators, adding to its innovative group in the U.S. The Singtrix team has a 25-year history of developing iconic music games and is noted as the first to patent the core technology behind the Guitar Hero franchise. So, like, the the how, like, there's basically a program, from what I understand, there's, like, an engine that translates the music from songs and comes up with the keys and buttons that go along with it. 
that you push to get those effects. Okay. So they basically acquired Singtrick, this group, Singtrix. I guess they want their that technology, but it also sounds like they also make software for processing uh, vocals and sound effects for karaoke, gaming, entertainment. So that sounds like partly gaming related, but also partly like other, the transmedia part, right? So like karaoke is like, LA has lots of karaoke bars. There's a lot of like, karaoke is a big thing, I think, uh, not just in Japan, but also in, in the US. So this sounds kind of like one of those other things that like, kind of like, their strategy has most part, mostly been like acquiring like sought after IPs or like technologies, but for like a low price. So I'm wondering if maybe Sintris was just like finally at the right price point for them to acquire and they just like swooped it up. But apparently it has to do with music production or sound or audio production and as well as music games. So Johnny, maybe we might see kind of a rock band revival. Not this isn't the right to harmonics. Harmonics owns rock band. That's a different company. But maybe they're trying to they're trying maybe they're trying to bring back music games as a thing. Cause remember this went out of fashion about a decade ago. Yes. What do you think about that? I didn't ask you about the Lord of the Rings stuff because I know you don't care about Lord of the Rings. But what do you I'm think glad about? You said it for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, dude. I'm not really into like music type of games either. I mean, I've thought about like I want to play an instrument, like I want to play electric guitar. So if there's a game that can really teach me all that stuff, then yeah, I'm kind of down. But yeah, I mean, this isn't. This doesn't necessarily mean they're trying to make music games. It sounds like maybe they just want to own the. They want to own the tech to maybe license it out to other companies who want to make music games. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sounds like they're here for the patent, not necessarily for any IP. Because it, it's Harmonix, I think, or MTV Game. I forgot who exactly. Uh, NeverSoft or I, somebody owns Guitar Hero, but it's not these guys. And then Harmonix owns Rock Band. And that's not part. That's not these guys either. So it sounds oh, so like they don't have an IP of their own. No, it sounds like they tech. they want the software and the tech, the know how. I think to maybe either make something new, or to license it out to other people to use. Kind of. Okay. Kind of like someone who might buy a, pro- a rental property just to rent it out, kind of thing. I'm thinking. I don't know for sure. No one really knows like what this just happened yesterday. There's no way of knowing what it's for exactly. But I just wanted to get your idea of what your thoughts about music software or games in general. I mean, what we're using right now, Audacity, that is a audio engineering software. Not owned by this, but, you know, that's an example, right? What we're using right now to record this podcast at this very moment. And then I want to talk about one more. No, I'm sorry. That's a lie. I want to talk about two more because two of these are kind of impro- Yeah, there's more, but I want to talk about two more. Right, um, let's get into those. I'm going to real quick. Uh, this is the one that honestly doesn't mean as much, but it's... I mean, it does mean something, but it's not as impactful to the game industry like as you would think it is. It says Embracer Group enters into an agreement to acquire limited run games. So here, this is a company that, John, that Joe, our cousin Joe, and I are pretty familiar with. Um, it says Embracer Group, through its wholly owned subsidiary free mode, has entered into an agreement to acquire limited run games, Inc., or limited run, from its founders, Josh Fairhurst and Douglas Bogart. Limited Run is a global leading collector-focused publisher of physical video games with a strong brand established direct-to-consumer channels and owns the development technology Carbon Engine that ports retro games to modern platforms. Uh, here we go. Is it? Okay, I'm skipping that part. Let me find the rationale. Here it goes. Background rationale. Limited Run is the global leading brand within its niche business. 
a premium publisher of physical games founded in 2015 by Josh Fairhurst and Douglas Bogart. The company is based in North Carolina, USA, and employs 69 persons. Uh, 69. Employs 69 persons in an increasingly digital world. Limited run has become the preferred partner for physical releases and lives by the motto, forever physical. Since its inception, Limited Run has published over 1,000 digital games to physical releases. Partners include Niche, Indie Studios, as well as major publishers. Limited Run is well known for its collector's editions and operates a direct-to-consumer model with a big, loyal audience of collectors. The company evolved its business model with vinyl records and other merchandise and distributes titles, helping other publishers bring physical versions of their games to market through the Limited Run site in Niche. So, So let me just summarize it. Limited Run Games is a company that basically takes digital-only games that are released only on digital services and basically provides the only physical copies of those games. So they've done this with um, uh, the Scott Pilgrim game. Do you remember the Scott Pilgrim game that came out years ago, the the side-scrolling brawler? No. Okay. There was no physical copies of that game. It was digital-only by Ubisoft. They partnered with Ubisoft. They released it physically. And they made like all these different like packaged, like limited, like special bundles. Like there was one where like you got stickers and pins of the characters. That's pretty dope. There was one where it came with the soundtrack. That's the one that our cousin Brian has. He has the he got the Scott Pilgrim the game like the best version from uh, Limited Run Games. I thought I thought it was just gonna be like just stamp it on a fucking CD and sell that shit. But they sometimes like, it's as basic as that. Sometimes it really is just like the bare minimum. I get it, but sometimes they actually do give you a ton of trinkets. Most too. of the time, they go all out for like the most like like luxurious like special edition they did one for Knights of the Republic Star Wars Knights of the Republic uh-huh. which I wanted to get but it was like $250 where it was like here's the game here's like these official licensed Lucasfilm like postcards here's like this collectible coin here is like imitation like uh, chips from like the in-universe like casino game mm-hmm. uh, Zabrak or, or no Brett I forgot Pazak Pazak and then it came with a lightsaber letter opener and like so, uh, a special edi- like all, steel case, like all this stuff, like don't like, like if you want like a ex- like a very like show off like a special edition thing, like they're the ones who make those things. So sometimes they'll make like a reg- a very like here you want the bare bones you just wanted on disc, like we can preview that, or we have like these tiers of special editions, and so like that's where they mostly they work with smaller develop publishers because some publishers like it's hard for them to in-house like they don't have the resources you know to make to like put games on disc and stuff it's easier to just do it di- like digitally so limited run will be will act as an intermediary to kind of like we'll help you do this and stuff and like you know we'll have exclusivity or whatever for this thing so uh, okay let me get back to why it says in addition to limited run limited run brand and addressable audience a strategic value is the carbon engine an internally developed technology that allows legacy content and retro games to be effortlessly effortlessly put out in highly accurate emulation-based ports for modern platforms, creating a true carbon copy of the original game. Old, well-loved, and sought-after rare releases can be made available and accessible on an all-new hardware using the carbon engine. I think this is the ticket for them. This is why they're interested in this acquisition. It says, It is a core component of Limited Run's vision for a world that is forever physical, First ship games with a carbon engine are Shantae and River City Girls Zero. Giant Hero River City Girls? No, I haven't. It's a game that our cousin Joe loves a lot. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up. But, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so the carbon engine, essentially what it sounds like it does is that it takes old ROMs or older files of older games and it basically kind of converts them into a modern 
for modern use on modern consoles, but with like the best sound, the best picture, the best quality, like rendering of that. It's kind of basically it's like a it's an engine that modernizes things or modernizes old games effortlessly. Now, if you're familiar with some studios like trying to do that with some of their games, there's usually issues like slowdown, like clock speed, overclock speed, or like certain things that like haven't aged well with modern consoles, and that's usually an issue. This engine basically kind of it dummy proofs it. And I think that's why Embracer Group wants this. Them owning limited run games in terms of like the publishing rights of like to like publish games and stuff, like that doesn't really like affect the games industry that much because it's like a niche kind of it's a small corner Mm -hmm. and at the same time they're not developing like they're not making new games they're just making games that are already made more accessible i think what they really want is this carbon engine because you have to remember Embracer group owns i I believe over 200 ips across everything they've acquired in the last few years they have so many back catalogs of games this carbon engine would allow them to easily basically port those that back catalog to like modern systems i think this is the reason why they acquired limited run i don't know for sure that's just me kind of playing you know uh, no that makes the most sense monday quarterbacking what do you call it monday football quarterbacking this is my thought but i think that part of it is that business of the publishing and also part of it the other half is this the because they talk about it they're talking about exactly about how they they want this 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 technology the software so that those are the major three um the other one I'm just going to tell you just real quick. They acquired uh, Tripwire. If you know who Tripwire is, they're the ones who did the Killing Floor games. I don't know if you heard of those. I played a little bit of it. It was alright. They they bought the company from its four founders. One of the founders you might remember last year got some heat because he went off on a Twitter rant about how he was like pro-abortion. Oh, I'm sorry, pro... An- uh, yeah. He was no, anti-abortion. He was pro- yeah, he was pro-life. Yeah, pro. thank you. There you go. He was pro-life. And then, like, a lot of people asked for him to step down. He, he basically stepped down. He still owns the shares, but they put out... I'm just going to summarize real quick that the, everybody except for him are going to stay on the company. They just, mm-hmm. They're just going to serve in the other roles. But, like, he's, he's taking the money and just walking away, basically. Because he stepped down from his position, but he still owned the stock. He still owned, like, his share of the company. That's dumb. Well, I don't, well, I don't know. Maybe he, don't, he doesn't want to be part of it anymore. He's just kind of looking a way out. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe no, not that. I'm just saying, like everybody is entitled to their, to their opinion. If he said what he said, it didn't hurt anybody. Right, but we just understand that it's like a very unpopular view. It's unpopular, days. but yeah. whatever. It's, it's so, not. It's it's a fucking punishment for something that isn't like crazy egregious. It's just an opinion that isn't popular. Hmm. Well, it's, actually, it is popular. Whatever. Let's not get into that, Johnny. This isn't the time. No, I wasn't getting into that. I'm just, okay. I'm just saying it's fucked up to to make somebody fucking quit because of. Fucking I don't know. If they're making. I don't know if they're making him quit. And he was a CEO. I don't think he can make. No one else can make him quit except for himself. He voluntarily stepped down from that position. Coincidentally, during this fucking time that he made that statement. No. Yeah. No. I think it's no. How is that not? Being no. They made it. Cl- no, Johnny. He stepped down from that CEO position back when that happened last year. Mm-hmm. He still, however, up until now, owned his share of the company, though. He just yeah. wasn't, like, overseeing it. But he, he was, was still contributing na- at that time. Right. Now, all four of the founders have been bought out, and he's just choosing to just walk away with the money. Yeah, for and sure. And the other right three now, are staying with the, with their money. Yeah, right now it's irrelevant. I'm oh, okay. just saying it was irrelevant back then. That's, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Back then it was crazy. Okay. I, I thought you got confused. I thought you thought, like, he stepped down, like, now. No, no, no. Gotcha. 
And so yeah, that was the other acquisition. That was the other major acquisition. I just, I just, it's a bit, it's running long. I didn't want to go into it. They acquired five other studios besides this smaller fry, smaller mm-hmm. studios. Um, I think one of them is Japanese. Okay. And then the other four are Western. I don't know exactly what that means. I think Canadian could be U.S. could be European. I'm not sure. They acquired other smaller companies, basically also for their IP. So Embracer Group has been doing this for a long time. They're one of the main four. When I say the main four, I think of Tencent, Microsoft, and PlayStation, who are just hoarding everything in the gaming industry right now. Yeah. They continue to, pardon the pun, embrace other IP into their fold, into their uh, into their group. And I've I've been pretty vocal about it before, and I'm vocal about it again. I do not like the idea of uh, consolidation, especially mm-hmm. in this especially in this industry in this space where like there's only I mean, Nintendo's still a player, obviously, but Nintendo's not on a buying spree in any way, like the other ones we mentioned. They're kind of just there doing their thing. But it just, they're just acquiring and gobbling up. And like, Embracer Group owns 200 franchises before this. Now they own more. And it's like, how many games have they even actually put out? Yeah, that's the point. Like, just come up with a new fucking game instead of hoarding these games that you probably don't have any intent. They're just gobbling them up, and it's like, are they just gonna like, are they gonna ransom them out later or something, or like, are they hoping to like flip them in the future for more value? Of course, they'll put out some of the games, and then some. It's maybe they'll make comics or a film about it, but I just don't like all this fucking hoarding shit. It's not, yeah. They said they have a transmedia like vision. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what the word means, but I don't know what that means to them. Like. They plan on you like okay, so like Lord of the Rings, they plan on making movies like spinoffs. I think it's just tech jargon. Like I think what they're really trying to say is they're trying to take, they're trying to take their IP and then spread it fucking everywhere. If it's like film or again film, comics, video games, whatever, just spread it wherever the fuck there's somebody willing to purchase it, and then that's also for for the technology. I think transmedia an example would be like uh, Unreal Engine, how they have the Mandalorian backstages, right? the the volume volume what do you mean that's what it's called the the pro, the 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 real time back yeah oh is that the what stage it's with the massive ass green screen all the way around it yeah, yeah that's yeah. the volume that's uh, what it's called all right uh yeah i'm assuming that's what they mean the stage because i i read the the definition of it and it's just it's it's just fluff it sounds like it's another word of saying like we're trying to make all our different media aspects like synchronize with well with each other that's what it sounds like to me i could be wrong but that's what, like, you want the games for Lord of the Rings to, you know, be part of, like, the movie spinoffs you're doing. And maybe that includes, like, comics or, like, a web series or, like, some other kind of, like, you know, property, product. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was about to look up something, man. I already forgot, Johnny. You threw me off. Oh, so, yeah. So, they, we know Embracer Group, which includes TH Nordic, THQ Nordic. That's, uh, they, they put out, like, projections for, um... The new Saints Row game is coming out that you're not too hot on. Uh, the new one... Saints Row... Uh, the, they originally saw, like, okay, we're going to have probably like this many pre-orders, and the amount of pre-orders they've gotten has been, like, uh, way more than what they originally expected. Uh, let me see if I can find the article. Probably not. I forgot. Uh, this is a guy called Benji Sales on Twitter who, like, literally does the tracking and analyzing of video game software sales. Yeah. And he put out how... Uh, there's like a pres- slideshow presentation that Embracer Group did where they got 110% of their pre-orders for Saint Row, Saints Row. So that means like, like what they originally projected they were going to hopefully do, in reality, they got 10% more above that in reality of what mm-hmm. they wanted. 
So like they're actually predicting like, oh, like Saints Row looks like it's going to be like going to do it's going to probably sell better than what we expected. And they're kind of using that as like as a model of like we're acquiring this IP because we're going to flip. We're going to make this into like a desirable IP again. Now, Johnny. Remember, they recently acquired uh, was it Eidos, Eidos and um, shoot, what's the other one? They acquired Eidos and I forgot who the other one was, but they now own Legacy of Kane. Yeah. Are they going to do anything with Legacy of Kane? I don't know. With so many fucking IP, I don't expect anything. You got Saints Row, you got uh, all everything that THQ has. Uh, Darksiders. Uh, like, again, Saints Row, we just said that, right? Some other ones. But you also have Legacy of Kane. Now you have Lord of the Rings. You have all this stuff and it's like, like, but do you have the manpower to put that to use? Like, I don't I don't think they so. They might just, Sony might just come up to them and be like, we're going to license this out, right? They're going to license it to Sony. Maybe, because that's kind of what they want the, the, the carbon engine for, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, I think they're kind this is to me the equivalent of somebody buying a bunch of property with no intention of actually living in it. Oh, just renting it. And out. just, yeah, just renting it out and just being a property manager, but for software, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, that, is, is that the case? I don't know. Time will tell. They have a couple of games actually in the fun, in the, in yeah, but the, okay, that does make sense, but the titles that they have until recently, I don't think have been all that, like, interesting. No, they put out some game. I think they put out like one original game about, I want to say about two years ago that I did buy and it was just, it was boring. I did not like it. Like what, like what games do they have where I'm like, cause I think they got Tomb Raider, right? Or who's yes, the spot? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So Tomb Raider, I do want to play, but is Sony going to focus on a Tomb Raider game or, or instead focus on the next Last of Us or God of War or whatever? Like Sony's good at making their own fucking IP. So why the fuck would they go to Embracer to try to develop a game of their IP? You get what I'm saying? Oh, you're speaking hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Same thing with Xbox. Like, they're probably going to focus on Halo, etc. Why would they go to Embracer and try to No, probably not. Probably not the big guys, but maybe other studios might want to, like, license out. Like, uh, for example, um, shoot, what was the one? Uh, Capcom. I'm trying to remember if Capcom licensed a game out to Bando, Bandai Namco or... Or was it the other way around? No. Namco, Bandai Namco licensed out. Oh, they licensed out Tekken. The Namco owns. That's Band- still a pretty big game. To. Was it Ninja Theory? Or who else? To another studio, basically, to just borrow the IPT. Oh! Uh, Square Enix. They licensed out uh, Final Fantasy. The new one that came out, Origins. The Par- uh, Stranger of Paradise, whatever. That one was developed by uh, uh, Ninja Theory. Who you might know did like uh, Bayonetta and some other games. So sometimes they do license out to like not the big big players, but to other people within their same level. So it's the same universe, but it's not the same, not the same characters. None of that, right? It's the same. It's I mean, none of the Final Fantasy games are actually connected to each other. They're all just like yeah, standalone. but you know what it is when yeah. Square Enix or whatever makes a fucking. It's game a like Final that. Fantasy game through and through, but the engine the mechanics and the development team is not of square enix but of somebody else that they licensed it to so stranger of paradise with you being the game of that company a fan of that company stranger of paradise did that do anything for you i played the demo i didn't really care for the demo because it does not play like a final fantasy game even though it's a final fantasy skin and everything it's yeah so i think that's part of the issue like what if embracer group by the last of us but they didn't buy the fucking developers night up yeah like that's the fucking point. I don't know if I, I don't, yeah, I don't think I would want a Last of Us game that was not done by Naughty Dog. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, 
But then that's how that remake started off. Remember the remake of one started off with a different team? Before Naughty Dog was like, we'll just take it back again. We'll just take it over again because you guys aren't doing it right. Remember? It's a remake. It's it's. No, but it's remember, not... no, remember how it was a different team attached to it? Yeah, I remember. But that wasn't more than they could chew, I don't think. Right. So it's like, you already fucking know the story. You know the combat. Right, right, right. You're just adapting. It's not just like making a totally different spin. Printing it up. Like the bit. same thing that happened with Platinum Games and uh, Raiden. Remember? Yes. So, I mean, the, uh, the you're, combat you're was great. Yeah. But the that's acceptance... Not a, that's not a Konami game, though. Yeah. Saying. The acceptance was nothing like Metal Gear. Right? The owners didn't take it in like... There's no Metal stealth, Gear. tactical. Yeah, yeah. I got you. That's a good example. That's a very good example. Thank you for using that, John. That's a good one. Because that's a perfect example of Platinum Games, who's very action-heavy, combo-based. Yeah. Taking a franchise that is not known to be that and kind of put their own twist on it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. So... Again, right? That wasn't Microsoft. That wasn't PlayStation, right? That was somebody within the same level of their like of yeah. their like peers, kind of. So, mm-hmm. that's an example of that. All right, Johnny. I, th- I'm, I think we kind of got said about my, as much as we can about that. Did you have any final thoughts, or is that it? No, that's it for that. Article. Do you? How do you feel about this? Do you embrace this direction? I love saying that word, embrace. I need to see the fruits of. You don't embrace. Sound, it sounds like a very like aggressive hug. Like, let me embrace you. Like, a, depends on who's embracing you. Like a very like. Are you uh, being embraced in jail? Oh, that sounds. That still sounds like an aggressive move. Tough love. Tough love. <laughs> I love that tough love, Johnny. We have a listener mail uh, from someone who's written to us before. I think like two months ago. Anyways, here it is. Uh, from uh, Mr. Pedro Ayala Lala. I got mixed. Two L's makes a Y sound, right? Yeah. I got that. Uh, Pedro says, what have been your biggest gaming disappointments? I don't mean just a game you played that was bad, but a game a game that you were really excited for that ended up way below expectations. Hope you guys record soon. So I got this one like two days ago. So like in the time frame where we haven't published an episode, basically. So. I'm sorry. I missed that. I'm still thinking about the fucking prison. <laughs> <laughs> Can you repeat that, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, what What have been your biggest gaming disappointments? I don't mean just a game you played that was bad, but a game that you were really excited for that ended up way below expectations. And then he said, hope you guys record soon, because we hadn't published an episode in like more than a week. <laughs> so probably two games, The Last of Us Part 2 and uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Real? Okay. No. Knowing you, those make sense, actually. Really? You think Last of Us 2 was that disappointing? Or are you like... Yeah. I, you I, hyped it up in your mind and you're like, oh, this isn't it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I've told you that like the narrative does make sense in a lot of ways. Except the execution was terrible. Technical, I, everybody says this that I've heard about. Everybody that complains about the game says on a technical level, we can all agree that it was fucking amazing. Except the narrative was bad. The pacing was bad. The the timelines were off. Uh, like, we didn't have to play with Abby for that amount of fucking time, right? Man, I really wished it was just, like, one day here, one day there, one day if, here, one day there. If I played with Abby for, like, three hours, I would have been like, all right, cool. Yeah, maybe, yeah, definitely, like, one hour here, one hour there with Abby, and the rest of us is is playing with a... Uh, the rest of us. I hope that's the rest of us. The sequel name, the rest of us. <laughs> the rest of. Uh, fuck you. Lost, I fucked myself up. Um, 
Yeah, I just didn't want to fucking play with Abby is, is the whole point. I didn't mind playing with Abby. I just didn't mind playing with Abby for that long. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I wish they had broken it up, like, thematically with, like, day one, day one, day two, day and two. Flashbacks within flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like the flashbacks because it kind of added more to the character for, like, with Ellie with, the like, the dinosaur zoo museum place. Uh-huh. And then with... Oh, sorry about that, guys. There's, like, a, someone driving crazy. And then with Abby with her, like, the her dad flashback. Like, I didn't mind those flashbacks. I like them. But I just... I don't know. It, like, like you said, the pacing and the formatting of, like, or the editing, or whatever you want to call it, just the, the way they decided the order to tell that story, I think could have been better. So there's that. And the gameplay... Although it was fun, it was very well polished. It didn't advance as much as I would have hoped for. Like there were there were mechanics like where you could shoot off uh, the chain from the clickers. Right. And I'm, I wanted more situations like that where there were like people in the room and there was a clicker and I could just send like that a, motherfucker. Like in how there. Days Gone approaches it, right? Days Gone with the like leading the swarm or the mob. Towards, yes. Yes. Yeah. Opportunities for the swarm to interact with yeah. my other enemies. enemies. Yeah. So there's that portion. Uh, I don't think there was enough uh, enemy types. They were a little bit samey. Like the bloater yeah. was the same as. They just introduced like two new ones, if that. The those, the runners. The tiny the ones. The runner was a derivative of of previous. Which one were the ones that like you 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 scanned for them and you could not find them? They're like small. Uh yeah yeah. You know what I'm talking about right? Those, like those super quiet, super super quiet. Yeah, they're great, but just like they won't attack you openly. They wait till like there's enough of them and then like swarm you. Yeah, because you can be quiet, and then if you're sneaking around, they'll, like, peek out of the, uh-huh. out of the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you start running, they'll just fucking... And the Rat King, I think the Rat King was one of, like, the dopest part of that game. That was such, like, a, like, here's your weapon, unleash your full arsenal on, like, the original... See, that's, level-wise, that's something else I wanted more of. I wanted, well... It was just like hit and run tactics, like, like sh- attack, run, 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 attack, like, hide, 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 run. The other massive disappointment was... For the levels, I think the hospital was one of the most interesting, like horrifying places to be. It's like ground zero, basically, and it's also one of the pla- the one of the only places really that gives you more lore on on the, the outbreak, the, the outbreak on the spores and everything. Yeah, and I felt like the whole fucking game is just this teenage drama. When I went in there to figure out like well, how is this mutate, how is this thing mutating, you know. Like, what's it the was, next phase? It was more of a personal story. You were hoping for, like, a more background lore, like, world situation kind of thing. Well, right? we could have just had them both. Oh. But I actually like the personal story. Focused on... No, it's cool. The personal story was cool, but it, it was like a teen drama for me. Whereas, like, part one was like a father figure and a daughter type of situation. Okay. You felt that somehow narratively the maturity took a step back. Yes. Okay. All right. So there's and that. Mass Effect? Uh, Andromeda specifically. It's just the bugs or what? There were other things I don't want to get into, but yes, the bugs were a, a massive part of massive the, the disappointment. You're all with alliteration today. The rest of oh, us, mass, massively. Yeah. So the gameplay wasn't that great. Uh, the single player felt okay, but it still felt very clunky. Okay. Uh, that's that's i think for me uh i have two answers hold on also andromeda really didn't address anything that happened in mass effect part three because it was far away right because it was like distance wise like removed from it right yeah but there's hardly any references of like hey is there still anything going on with commander Shepard? like 
did we really lose fucking Earth? Like, because we had those questions on three, and right. they gave us these cheap ass like DLC trying to explain, and they said we're not gonna modify the artistic uh, direction, all I that. Need to finish the trilogy. I really need to finish it because I'm curious to see just how bad this is. I really need to finish the trilogy. Well, it's it's really the last twenty minutes that they had to address, and Andromeda doesn't address it. They just like uh, ignore what the fan base wanted to to hear as far as the lore again. Mm. Uh, that's it. Go ahead. Okay, uh, for me, there's two of them. Uh, the most recent one is the Digimon game I've been playing, Digimon Survive. Mm-hmm. It is nothing like what I was hoping it would be like. Like it's more of a, it's more visual novel than it is like strategy RPG. Okay. There's very little moments of like the actual combat. Most of the time, you're just making dialogue choices, and it's such a long and drawn out story. Fortunately, the story is interesting, but man like it's just a lot of the time you're kind of just rehashing old thoughts from earlier it's like like so this is what's going on huh and it's like like yeah that's the fifth time you said that yes this is what's going this is our situation this is where our characters are at and it's like like okay like you can do a visual novel and make it interesting without being like recapping the events every like hour like we know yes we're stuck we're trying to get back home Please don't repeat that again. We know. We know. You don't have to keep telling me. Um, but the story is like really mature. It's really dark. It's extremely dark for a Digimon game. Like many spoilers, but like people die like brutally, mm-hmm. which is very weird for a Digimon game, which is mostly kitty like. Yeah. But people do die and there's like blood and crap and it's like, whoa, like the story is really heavy, which is like imagine Pokemon. Pokemon did that like humans die like with blood and stuff and which is weird but dude the artwork of the realistic pokemon is the dopest shit ever oh yeah i've seen i've seen lots of that but of all the fucking games and and all your gaming time that's like the game that most disappointed you no this is the most recent one i'm okay. gonna say, tell you one more uh but yeah it's for some reason i thought it was gonna be like past digimon games where it's like a collect-a-thon like collect the digimon build up your team and then like go battle and stuff and it's like not very 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 little of that and whatever is there combat wise is super plain and bland and very like straightforward like very basic yeah and there's just like no room for strategy and there's no it's just it's just not great now to be fair i think they did market it as like oh this is like a dark game like a visual novel and I, I just wasn't paying attention, I think. So I only have myself to blame for this. Uh, and then the other one, uh, oddly enough, is uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: um, Phantom right. Pain. Okay. Because while that is the best feeling, best playing Metal Gear Solid game, I think, I think the combat, the environments, everything about that game is solid. The story, especially in the second half of the game, the story is just very nonsensical. It's kind of... None of the stuff really connects to the rest of the series... Well, that makes sense because... Because of the production of that game, right? Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right. But there's, like, like number, like, mission numbers, like, missing. And there's, like, you can tell, like, a lot of stuff was left on the cutting room. Like, Kojima wanted to do more and Konami was just not working with him. I want to know why Kojima just can't tell us. Is it, like, in the contract? Why he can't specifically tell us, like, this is why I left these chapters in. This is yeah. what I was going to do. I don't know. And it's not Kojima's fault for that. Uh, I blame more just Konami's meddling with him and the how that game played out or how the development of that game played out. But, I mean, it's still one of my favorite games. It's just I felt like that had the potential to be, like, the best of the series, and it isn't. It isn't. 
gameplay wise it is story wise it's i think it's the worst one story so those are my two answers so thank you uh pedro for uh writing again thanks for, we love hearing from you guys uh whether it's pedro or anybody else uh yeah keep feel, feel free to send us your questions through uh uh email which pedro did at duosense podcast at yahoo.com again that is duosense podcast yahoo.com you can also reach us at twitter uh duosense p on twitter and right now those are our two main uh avenues of communication so we love to answer your questions we love to discuss stuff with you guys so please feel free uh, to send more questions, comments, suggestions, etc. Now, Johnny, what have you been playing? I actually just got back into not another game, but I started playing a Frostpunk again. Because, oh. because I didn't do the very last scenario. Okay. Because it was daunting. I, I get, I tell, you know, I play all my fucking games in hard. True. But this is a game I put in normal and it still just fucking slaughters me. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's because I run the time a little bit too quickly, but it's a very difficult management type of game. And that's, that's it. That makes sense. I mean, strategy sims, uh, we have to manage resources and like, this is the worst one though. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't decision making, like I get it. Like those are like brutal. They can be brutal. Um, I thought you were going to talk about Fortnite. I thought you were going to talk about your... Oh yeah, I played some of that because the they have the uh, yeah they have a little update where they put uh, DBZ in it. Amen. And they've got uh, how do you say it exactly? Ha! Yes, that. So they have that, <laughs> and then they have the little fucking cloud going on. The Nimbus. The Nimbus cloud, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's dope. Uh, you get your whole squad with the clouds and everything. Who do you just pl- jump straight up to into the fucking? Who's your, who's your skin again? Who do you play as? Uh. Because I find, I find it's a character called Jewel. Okay, so it's not like a licensed, like a IP from something else, or is it just an original Fortnite uh, creation? I don't think she's from anywhere else. Okay, because I've been seeing a montage video of the most random people doing Kamehamehas, mm-hmm. and like Darth Vader charging a Kamehameha. <laughs> yeah. uh, freaking, what's his name? Uh, Batman also doing a Kamehameha. Um, like, all these, like, people have nothing to do with Dragon Ball Z doing, like, the signature move from Dragon Ball Z is just. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious to me. So, I well, was I like, mean, it's already crazy having Batman with a gun, right? But I want, I want to see, I want to see Ryu do one because he has his Hadouken. Ah, uh, yeah. But a Kamehameha is like an, an even more insane. Like, if the Hadouken is like a single shot like musket, the Kamehameha is like a machine gun version of that. Mm-hmm. So I just want to see Ryu just charge his own Kamehameha and just like blast some, like you know Guile or Cami or somebody or Chun Li with like just a massive world ending like blast so do they still have the no build mode in yeah that's permanent because i love that i want to go back i mean there's a lot of games i want to get back to i actually kind of want to get back into um the marvel's avengers game that everybody hated because they're just adding uh, they're barely adding winter soldier as a playable oh, character. That thing. yeah that th- that thing that thing and there's abomination there no there's no abomination is it oh you mean the word not the actual character yes. okay yeah uh, but they're adding a uh, Winter Soldier to it soon, the Winter Soldier. So I think he has more like a gunplay combat, which I, would be interesting. I wanted to see how that works. How does that game handle like shooting? I'm curious. So I'm I'm kind of like you know like when you see a car crash on the freeway and you kind of have to hurry up, but you kind of want to look at it. That's me with Avengers, the game, where I'm like, oh man, like the game sucks, but like, oh hold on, you're adding the Winter Soldier now. Hmm. It might be worth going back. Maybe it's just to see how it is. I don't know. 
that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I've been playing several games, Johnny. I'm assuming you're done, right? Yeah. Okay, I've been playing several games. Um, I'm on the final boss of Elden Ring. Oh. I finally got there. At a 70-hour-plus mark, I'm at the final boss on Elden Ring, getting my butt just destroyed on the field because, like, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a very, very large enemy. And, like, his... Its reach is insane. Like, like range. And it's just like... Like, oh, man. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to beat this. So, I'm probably going to have to, like, level up or get better equipment or go do more grinding or something. But, uh... The, the, the game's end is, like, in sight. In sight. Like, it's literally the final boss and then I'm done with the game. So... Uh, I got back into Elden Ring just because it was like one of those games where like, like I've been itching to get back into it. And I just want to finish it because I just want to say I finished it really. And I'm kind of I'm having a lot of fun up until this point. Like I was taking on bosses where like Elden Ring is all like Soulsborne style games are those games where like you get to a boss and you're just getting destroyed. And you, every time that happens, you think like, OK, this is my breaking point. Like this is where I give up and like I walk away. And then you'll beat the boss and you'll be like, oh, cool, like I did it. And then the next boss will be, again, that breaking point. And it's for me, it's cool because I get frustrated. There's been many times where I just want to throw the controller. But like when you beat that boss, when you finally get past that boss, it is like the most rewarding, satisfying feeling. And like no other game really does that for me. But then I'll get to the next boss and I get frustrated all over again. And I'm constantly thinking like... Like, I should have quit this game, like, seven bosses ago. But each time I keep persevering and passing, and I just get this feeling of, like, like there really is no boss that I cannot defeat eventually. Like, it really is just pattern recognition, memorization, and then, like, switching up your, like, timing and, like, your, your skill set, your, your abilities, your loadout. Mm-hmm. And so each time I encounter a boss, like, there is no modern game I can think of that really delivers on the, like, here's a challenge, and, like, and I'm like, all right, like I'm ready to meet this challenge. You haven't played the Valkyries and God of War. Hmm. You haven't played the Valkyries and God of War. I haven't. I haven't even finished God of War. Yep. Let yeah. alone. You got to finish that shit. Yeah, maybe. I want to. I want to finish it before Ragnarok comes out. I want to know what's going on. So, I mean, I kind of have something spoiled about me, like about Atreus and like other stuff like that. But I want to know like definitively where each character is at the end of the game, so I know going into Ragnarok. I don't think that's the most interesting part. The most interesting part why you should beat the first one coming into the second one is what's going to happen with the uh, realms. That's okay. Well, okay. The story is what I meant to say. I want to know what's going on story wise. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll find the boss of Elden Ring. And then I just finished playing this game, this really cute game. I got a, I got a review code for this game called super bullet break, which is, have you ever heard of slay the spire? Okay. I've heard of it. Okay. Super Bullet Break is kind of like Slay the Spider. It's a deck building roguelike game where you collect these like cards. They're called bullets in the game, but they're basically cards. They're cards of like anime girl like characters. And then each of these different characters has like a different effect or ability. And so you'll do like these dungeon runs where it's turn based. You'll go, you'll encounter an enemy, and then you have like your deck of cards and you, you choose what to do with them and they have different effects and stuff, right? And you take turns attacking and stuff. And you'll go basically past two bosses. You'll do like two runs and there's a boss at the end of each run. Then you get to the third run and that's the final boss for that entire stage. Now, if you beat the final boss, then it's great. You move on to the next one. If you don't beat the final boss, you have to start that stage all over again. And with none of the cards, you have to get the cards again. 
So each time you do it, it's different because the amount, the different cards you get, I'm sorry, the cards you get are different each time. And so it's very addictive because each run is probably about 30 minutes. So it's very quick, very quick turnaround. Uh, it's just incredibly hard because so much of what you can do is based on randomness, RNG. Do you have the right cards you need at the right moment? Let's hope you do because it's turn-based. You can't like dodge. It's not like a skill-based thing. It's not like Hades or like any other game where you can like dodge or like learn the patterns because this is all turn-based. Mm-hmm. You kind of just have to take it. Whatever they hit you with, you take it. Whatever you hit them, they had to take it. So it's a lot of randomness. But I don't mind it so much because each like session is it's like a bite-sized session. It's very quick. You lose, okay, rinse and repeat until you eventually get the right combination of cards. That's what the game's strength is. It's also its greatest weakness because that can be very infuriating because you develop a defeatist attitude when you you get to the final boss and then you look at your deck and you're like, yeah, like all these cards are trash. And it's like, I already know what's going to happen. And sure enough, you end up losing. So it's kind of like a gamble. You're basically hoping that the RNG, the randomness of the game is in your favor. Sometimes it's broken. How fa- Like there's been times where I'll face like a boss and like the boss can't even get a hit in because all my cards are just like in sync with each other like i'm just like everything leads into a combo into another combo into another combo and just like trivial trivializes that entire stage's difficulty yeah and then other times like it's just so stacked against you and it's like like yeah i'm gonna fail this run no matter what so it's 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 a game that you super bullet break is a game that you play in between other stuff you know what i'm saying it's like hey i got 20 minutes let me do a run in this isn't a game where you sit down and you're like, I'm going to binge this and complete the entire game like in a weekend. Like, no, that's not how this is going to work. This is basically just when you have time, like put in a little run. There you go. Put a little run. There you go. It's basically, it even markets itself on the Steam page, like the actual page for the game, as kind of like as a mobile game without the microtransactions. Because that's essentially how you're playing it. Like every time you get a new character, it's, it's just random. It's like a gotcha mechanic. Like, oh, like here's a... F- three-star character, four-star character. But as soon as your run is over, whether you win or lose, that resets and you have to do it and you re- go to the next stage with a whole new, like, random set of cards. You understand kind of what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I just haven't played the RNG type of game, so it's a little harder for me to... It's, like, randomized. Like, the enemies you come across are randomized. The bo- the bosses are the only constant. Like So it's more like the original Final Fantasy, you know? No, well, yeah, but in the original Final Fantasy, you can, like, level grind. You can't do that here, because as soon as you beat an enemy, you automatically move on to the next stage. Okay. Like, you can't go back, you can't, like, linger in an area to, like, level up. Mm. The game, it's like a, there's, like, multiple paths, like, think of, like, a branching, like, pyramid kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can't go back up the pyramid, you can only go downward. Okay. You get what I'm saying? I'm sorry, it's the other way around. You start off at the bottom, you work your way up, you can't go down again. So, like, each branch eventually leads to the final boss at the end, like the forks. But you can't go back to kind of like, oh, like, let me grind for more cards. Like, you can't do that. It just pushes you on forcefully to the next stage. So, like, there'll be, mo- it'll be moments where, like, if you take on, like, this enemy, you'll get a card if you win. But maybe you're low on health. So, you want to take this path at least to, like, a rest stop. But if you heal, then you miss out on getting that character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, everything's, like, a calculated risk of, like... Like, oh, I, I like maybe you heal after every enemy, but by the time you reach the boss, like, you're, like, only have, like, a handful of cards. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're, like, oh, I want to build my deck strong early on, you risk, like, wiping out because you never healed. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So everything is a very calculated decision. And I, that's like, that's the only control you really have is on the decisions. The outcomes of those decisions are more random. You know what I'm saying? So I did fi- eventually beat it. It's really hard. It took me... I. It's scaled weirdly where the earliest stages in the game are really hard and then it gets easier as you progress because you start to figure out the mechanics, but also because the types of cards you get become way more overpowered compared to like the fodder they gave you in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those games where once you get past the first hard like initials level, it becomes easier and easier and easier to the point where I think the last boss, I think I got it on my second try. So uh, Super Bullet Break. If you guys are into that kind of stuff, into a game that's you can just play in between small sessions, check it out. So, uh, other game I started playing uh, is Cult of the Lamb. Johnny, have you heard of Cult of the Lamb? Yeah, I didn't know it was out yet. It's an indie darling right now by Devolver Digital. They're the publishers. Uh, they done the other like stuff and uh, uh, Slay the I think Slay the Spire or some other games. I I, I know they've done a lot of games. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, so. Cult of the Lamb is funny. It's um, it's another. There's like a thing going on here where I'm playing like these games that I roguelikes, like Elden Ring and Super Bullet Break. Where Cult of the Lamb is where you basically start off as a lamb that's being sacrificed uh, for like some kind of eldritch Lovecraftian like demon creature or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're the you're like the last sheep basically in this world or whatever, and like these like this competing pantheon of gods are trying to kill you they, they're trying to kill you because once you're dead there's no more lambs and when there's no more lambs there's no more lambs to summon like their opposing deity and the plot twist is early on like in the first two minutes of the game you find out this when they kill you when they try to kill you they basically send you directly to that your panth your god your your the 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 head of this de- whatever demonic religion it is and he basically is like, I want to send you back to life, back to the real world, but I want you to develop a cult for me. Okay. I want to send you back, and you're going to develop a cult for me, and then you're going to take out the other gods that oppose me. So he sends you, he sends your character. I don't, he doesn't have a name; it's just a lamb, I guess. It's a lamb with a sword. <laughs> That's like your default weapon, but you can like pick up other weapons on the dungeon runs. So it's weird because it's part like dungeon diving and then the other half of the game is you managing your cult so you'll go on runs on dungeon runs to save other people other creatures are being sacrificed and you save them from like the enemies and like okay you're now part of my cult now and so you go back to your basically your 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 community where your cult is and like you can like issue your cult members like i need you to you know uh harvest this resource like rocks and you harvest wood and like and then you use those resources to add like new buildings to your settlement. And then as the head of the cult, you're like the leader, the cult leader. So you have to like also maintain like their spirituality. Like you have to deliver sermons and like issue doctrines. And when you issue a doctrine, it's kind of like, hey, like now we all believe in this thing. And so now you have to make sure you do this thing like, every day. And then I'll gener- that'll generate like faith points for you. Mm-hmm. And then use the faith points to basically like improve your like loadout when you go dungeon diving. So it kind of like all feeds it's a self loop of it in, like into each other where like stuff that benefits the cult benefits you when you dungeon dive. Things and re- resources you you collect dungeon diving like benefit the community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll, and this whole time you're trying to like take down these other like four major like deities and um, it's pretty fun. I've only put about three hours in. I think the game is. I looked up on uh, how long does it, how long does it 
howlongtobeat.com, which is like a website that tells you how long, on average, most video games are. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 15, 14 hours. So it's not incredibly long, but not short at the same time. Yeah, for a little indie, it's not bad. Yeah, it the game has a very charming, like kind of like Paper Mario, where everyone looks like a cutout against a 3D environment. So like you have like your little 2D cutout characters, like the grass and like the enemies, but then it's like a superimposed 3D environment. So like kind of like a Paper Mario look. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly, incredibly charming, and like all the characters just speak like this like nonsensical like gibberish language. Like you'll see the you'll see like the subtitles, mm-hmm. but like and it's like <laughs> you're just like reading it, and it's it's a, it's adorable but also it's funny because it's like very like demonic in nature like a lot of demonic like imagery with like the the you know the star the pentagrams and but then like the characters have big old cute anime eyes and stuff it's like it's like very like uh disarming on purpose you know what i mean so you'll come across like different weapons like hey you have this weapon that does more damage now but now you're like there's a delay when you attack because it's heavy so you get like a heavy axe and like it's strong, but then like, oh, you risk like exposing yourself when you try to attack. And so it's a calculated kind of dungeon runny kind of game. Um, yeah, I'm still very early on in the game and I think that's about it, right? Cult of the Lamb, Elder Ring. Oh, and I'm still playing. I mentioned Digimon, right? I'm still yeah. playing Digimon in the background slowly, but surely. So those are like the four games I'm kind of like juggling right now, which is... Uh, good because of uh oh i'm sorry i started to finish that other game i told you about the other day the one you told me like oh this is what i wanted elder ring to be uh Thymesia. oh yeah that was a game i got i got a review code for um the embargo lifted yesterday so i can talk about it but i'm not done with the game so i don't feel like i to talk, I, I don't feel knowledgeable enough to talk about it mm-hmm. other than it kind of plays like it looks a lot like bloodborne like thematically like you have like the the plague mass doctor like yeah the combat looks great uh seems like it'd be on the shorter end compared to Elden yes ring. for sure i but the combat was what i was expecting elden ring to have the of combat course. is kind of like that but i think the way the trailer presents it looks way more dynamic yeah than it actually is with the different camera angles it's always the camera's always just behind you mm-hmm. right like those fixed camera angles occasionally when you do like an execution or whatever like the cameras will do the thing like in god of war like it zoom you know how when kratos does like a special thing like it'll like zoom in kind of to kind of like put emphasis on like what he's doing yeah it kind of it does do that there's this cool thing that it does it differently from like the Soulsborne games where like certain enemies have like a weapon that glows green and you and when you beat that enemy you can steal that weapon and then you can use that weapon for a limited time uh on a certain amount of enemies and it compl- and it handles dif- differently from your traditional primary weapon. Mm-hmm. So there is a way to kind of like uh like one of the bosses I took out I was able to beat him because I basically farmed those weapons from his minions. Where, like, his minions have this weapon, and, like, I stole that weapon, so then when I went against the boss, I had an easier time than using my actual primary weapon. So, there, it, it has some of its, its own ideas. It's just the polish and execution of those ideas isn't, like, the best. But I don't want to speak too authoritative, authoritative, how do you say authoritative? Authoritatively. On it, because I haven't completed it yet. And because I'm still early on. So, um,. Yeah, uh, Johnny sent me a yeah the trailer for Thymesia. It's on PS5. Uh, I think it's on Xbox for sure. It's on PC. It's kind of like a Bloodborne sort of. That's basically what it looks like. Really, is the like the environment. Um, but uh, I think it's out. Yeah, it came out the 16th, so two days ago. So um, ah, look up the trailers. Decide for yourself, and I'll let you know like next week. Because I still have to write about it. I'll let you know next week if it's a yay or nay. Yeah. But, um, Johnny, I think I'm finally done of talking. That's 
we're finally caught up on everything news wise gaming wise what we've been playing do you have anything else before i did i didn't write down any new questions for you for the name of that game so we're not gonna do that segment because i i've just been so busy uh, you guys probably don't know this but i was talking to johnny before we even started about uh, life personal life stuff that's kind of gotten in the way and uh other projects and other stuff that i'm doing that just has made it hard for us to get together so that's why this episode's a little bit late but johnny do you have any final thoughts about anything it doesn't have to be necessarily about games is there anything last thing you want to kind of end with climax with if you prefer Nah, I was hoping I'd get some questions for the trivia thing. Dun, 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 right. dun. We'll do those next time. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I didn't write any. Yeah, I got to catch up on some. Uh, like, She-Hulk just came out today. Yes. Got to watch that. Um, that's it. Uh, actually, just waiting on a new episode for none of our business podcasts. But Joe, wherever there, you are, man. Joe. You know that feeling you get when you open the fridge and you're like, oh, man, it's, there's nothing... Yes, or maybe there is, but it's just not the thing you're looking for. And then you'll come back a few hours later. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm hoping it's there. Maybe I missed something the first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's accurate, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you have made it this far, first of all, thank you very much for continuing to listen to us. Uh, we know we've been a little bit spotty with our uh, updates and uh, recordings, but uh, we appreciate you guys for hanging in there. Um, this is gonna wrap it up for us today if you want to reach us again you can reach us uh i mean you can go back but i'll just say it again uh duo sense podcast at yahoo.com and duo sense p on twitter uh all one word in both cases uh we appreciate your listenership everybody and we will uh we'll, the plan is you'll hear from us next week that's the plan <laughs> if not me with johnny then me with somebody else or depends on what happens but uh i'm i really want to be a lot more consistent with this just because we, we had this issue where like we had two weeks of stuff to talk about. We didn't expect there to be so much. And we had to actually like thin out what we could, we're going to talk about because there just wasn't enough room. So I want to be a little bit more consistent to hopefully uh, dish out that content a little more uh, steadily. So that's it for us, Johnny. Johnny, why don't you lead us out? Oh, let's just wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Where else to go? All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace.